me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to the afternoon session. So that's my story. And I hope you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness, but if you do, I would say that's my story and that's how I share it. And that's the story that brings me to you today. So welcome friends to Consider Yourself Hugged episode 40. Today's hug, a pastor's story, addiction, loving God and loving people. I am Dr. Tammy West here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. There's something Christians do that is not biblical, but it is destructive. Now, I'm not going to quote scripture, but I think intuitively, Christian or not, you'll know that it's just not right. And I see it, I hear it, and I'm super embarrassed to say I have done it. And here it is. We think or we say, well, how can so-and-so be a Christian when he or she, and then fill in the blank, gossips, gets angry, parties, smokes, had an affair, had an abortion, has an addiction. I have a chat today that will change your life. If you're not a Christian, if you've been judged by Christians, if you are a Christian who judges or you have been judged, this story is for you. It's one of mistakes, consequences, overcoming, transparency, touching people's lives, and love. I have a very special guest today. Um, I met Pastor Dan Smith in 2005, I think. I've got to do better about finding out these dates. When Tim and I attended his brand new church in White House, Tennessee. Now, Tim had gone to a previous church with Pastor Dan and had known him for years. I, however, had never, well, I didn't know him, and I had never heard another preacher like him. So real, so transparent, not preachy, not the preachy voice, none of that. As you will hear today, both in the bio and in our chat, this church grew quickly and Pastor Dan Smith began the biggest battle of his life. I've left a few lengthy pauses in here. You might notice, like when I edit, I try to take out any lapses in time, and I did shorten some um, because I wanted you to hear the, the sincerity in this man's voice. I wanted you to hear a couple of times when he was sort of searching for words because that's who he is, sincere, big heart, and I wanted you to hear that. He truly has a passion for God and for people. So I'm going to read the bio that he shares, and this is the one that's on our church website. Pastor Dan Smith is the senior pastor at United Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. He grew up in a pastor's home in Mansfield, Ohio. After graduating high school, he served in the military and then earned his bachelor's degree at Mount Vernon Nazarene University, studying music and Christian education. He furthered his education through Global University. Pastor Dan and his wife Connie moved to Middle Tennessee in 1992. In 1998, he became a full-time pastor at Cornerstone Church in Madison, Tennessee, where he served dual roles as the worship pastor and Christian education pastor for eight years. In January of 2006, he planted a church in White House, Tennessee. Okay, so I guess that's when I met him, 2006. Within three years, the church grew to a strong congregation of over a 1,000 people. In April of 2009, Pastor Dan was arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol. 
which led to a downward spiral of resigning his pastoral position and starting on a path of seeking recovery and restoration. He found hope and sobriety through his faith in Jesus Christ, realizing that his mercy is much bigger than sin. As an inpatient at the Place of Hope in Columbia, Tennessee, he began rebuilding his life. After returning home, he continued recovery through a local 12-step program and through the unwavering support of his wonderful wife, Connie, and his two daughters, McKenna and Mariah. He currently participates in weekly 12-step meetings and understands the importance of submission to a strong support system, including accountability partners. In April of 2012, Pastor Dan and Connie planted United Church, my current church. Because of the very public struggles he has faced in his life, Pastor Dan is dedicated to and has built United on the philosophy that there are no circumstances in life that can rob us of the hope that Christ offers. The DNA of United is a message to everyone that God is a God of restoration and second chances. I am proud to call him my pastor and proud for you to hear him, Pastor Dan Smith. Well, it occurred to me, like when I asked you to do this, it occurred to me that I don't really know your story. Like when you say don't know my story. Your path. Like I don't know... So, so I know you have this history of addictions. In church the other day when you said, I hope y'all don't get tired of me. Right. I don't know how you worded it, like referring to my own stuff. And I'm like, I love it when you refer to your own stuff. But I don't really know sort of, and you can talk about whatever you want to, wherever you want to start. But when did this, this addiction cycle, and, cause, and I want to get to the good stuff too. Like, sure, sure, sure. Like how did you get through it and what can you tell people to help? But when did it start? Um, bottom line, I mean, I start, I, I had my first beer probably when I was eight. How was that? Was well, that just country, well, kids, no, uh, friends I don't know. that had parents that drank and we'd steal a beer here and there, you know, but, but I, um, you know, when I was 16, I started working at Red Lobster and I was introduced to a lot of, a lot of things that I, uh, I knew existed, but I didn't. I didn't know that it was so readily available. You know, cocaine. When when like I went with to people the break you work room. Yeah, people I, you work yeah. With? Waitresses that I worked with. Dora, she was a uh, waitress that worked there. And one time I was back in the break room, and that's when I was 16. You know, when you're a preacher's son and you and you grow up in the church, a lot of times you 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 feel like you've missed out on certain things in life, so you test things out. At least I did. And so, you know, um, I went back to the break room one time, and this is when, you know, I was considered myself a working adult when I was 16. So I was, I was, uh, had, you know, a pack of cigarettes there, and I was taking a smoke break or whatever. And when I was back there, she pulled out a little package out of her cigarette pack on the bottom, which this was is cocaine. A, wait- a waitress. Yeah, a waitress. And how old was she? Do you remember? Like your um, age? 30, probably. She's probably 30. And you're 16. And I was 16. Uh, I was a busboy. And uh, she, she did some coke, and that was the first time I was ever, ever introduced to cocaine. Um, you know, it's just exploratory type things, you know, that you do, not knowing, you know, when you're a kid like that, I was the kind of kid that explored anything. You know, I knew... God loved me. I knew that I'd given my life to Christ when I was just a kid, and I meant it. 
I knew all that, but the, the pulls of, of this other side were, were strong on me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not as, I guess some people aren't as tempted that way. I was out of the chute. I was always, seemed like I was always wanting to test, 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 test the, the boundaries. And, you know, you hear your parents say, don't ever do it, and then you'll never have a problem with it. Well, as, as a kid, you don't understand that, but, but my gosh, if I could just drill that in every kid's head, if you never taste a particular sin, you'll never you have a problem with it. You'll, you'll, you'll always wonder about it. I'm sorry. I'm no, 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 you're not at all. I just, I mean, did you know, like, so I, I didn't know this part. I didn't know, all I know is, alcohol and basically you as I know you did did it become immediately obvious that you were gonna have a problem no not at all no not at all no I mean I knew that I knew that I enjoyed the buzz I knew that I enjoyed the the buzz really I, I was never I was never what I would consider ever in my lifetime like a drug addict um I um, I would occasionally and recreationally, you know, uh, smoke pot or, or or do certain drugs, but I was never that. That and 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 even when I used alcohol, I I, I didn't you know immediately start out as um, somebody who you know I thought I had a problem with it. I would recreationally use it, and I'd wake up and not feeling well or or whatever. And uh, but then. Um, I don't know when that happened where you go, when does, when does a cucumber become a pickle? You know, at what day does it become a pickle? Mm-hmm. You don't know. Um, but, but I began to, to drink more. And then, um, then it became more than just occasional recreation. Is that when you were still a kid? Or you, you just well that that was when I was in college. Oh. Uh, by the time I got to college, um, I I I was I was uh, using not every day, but but pretty regular. But when I drank, I drank to I man. I'm just telling you, you know, when you go into um, when when you begin to find out about the cycle of addiction, when you begin to find out about the the uh, how how addictions work and how alcoholism works, you know, alcoholism is 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 a symptom of a real problem. The real problem is not the alcoholism; it's the way that you think, and it's the you know it's all that. But see, I just enjoyed the buzz. I enjoyed what the buzz did to me. I enjoyed um, the high or the buzz. And so, if you would have told me that it was a problem. Uh, that was something that was a, a lot deeper. I would have said, "No, I, j- I just no. like the buzz. Yeah, That's, I just like the buzz." But there's, there's a reason, you know, why you, why you try to escape. I, I, you find that out, you know, as you, as you dig in deeper and, and as you begin to understand, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, any kind of addiction, the cycle of addiction, it's a, it's a symptom of a bigger problem. You told me once after um, you had come back to church and you'd gone through rehab and everything, and you told me that when you took that drink, it wasn't as if you went back to the level where you were before. It was like 10 times worse when you went back. Yeah. And I thought about, you know, when I've had like hydrocodone over the years for mm-hmm. surgeries or whatever, it makes me so happy. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I don't care about whatever's going on in the world. It just makes me so happy. But I realize I don't have that addiction tendency. Like, once it's done, it's done. You're done with it. But it is, but but there are people in my family, like you said, and the second that, well, not the second, but they, it's different. Not only do they enjoy that, then it's just at a whole different level that somebody like me can't really process and understand because I don't. Exactly. I'm okay to not. You don't have that problem. But I like it. No, I understand. And, and, you know, it's funny because my wife, she doesn't understand. Now, she understands alcoholism a lot more that we've been through everything that we've been through. But I will tell you, she doesn't understand the addiction. She's just like, well, just quit it and you'll be done. You know, you'll be you'll be okay. And and the, the, the whole process that happens, and I know that's not what we're talking about, the process yeah. of addiction or the cycle of addiction. But I will tell you that it, it pulls you in slowly. But when it has you, it has you. It's... It's something that, you know, um, it's, it's life-altering. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's almost like you need that as much as you need your next breath. You know, it's crazy. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely believe it. And, I mean, I know it's that mixture between the genetics and the choices and the things sure, that have happened sure. in your life and all that right. stuff. And I'm grateful that I didn't go down that path with some of my family members. But... There are people in my world who are struggling with that. So you, over the years, so when you and I knew each other starting from church, I didn't know anything about this. And I remember right. the day that I came in, Tim and I came in on a Wednesday night, and there was prayer in church, and you were not doing praise and worship, which was strange. And then after prayer, then you and Connie came up and you talked about that you were going into rehab, which I knew nothing about. So it had been a long time, right? Between oh, yeah. your last, oh yeah. No, let me let me let me tell you about that. Okay. When I was twenty-seven, I I looked. I'll never forget. I looked into the mirror because I had been drinking a lot. I had been married uh, for two years. All right. Uh, this was when I still lived in Mansfield, Ohio. I had been married for two years. Now you have to understand, my wife. I was a closet drunk, and so she had no clue. I hid it from her. I hid all that from her. But I remember waking up one morning, and I remember looking in the mirror, and I was I was not in good shape as far as uh, mentally, spiritually, in any way. But I remember looking in the mirror, and I looked into the mirror, and I asked the question, "What have you become? Look what you have become." And and and. Look how look how alcohol and the enemy is destroying your life. Um, and I remember looking into the mirror and saying to saying to God, I said a prayer. I said, God, is it true that I can start all over again? Is it true there's no such thing as too great a sin? And and out of that um, came a commitment like I'd never given my God before. I said, God, if you'll help me, I'm gonna I'm going to restrain from alcohol. I'm gonna restrain from any mind altering substances. And I remember at that moment, I was twenty seven at the time, um, I remember an empowerment uh, and and God God really answered that prayer. And, and he said, yeah, I'm going to help you. So anyway, I went 16 years sober. 
I thought it had been a yeah. long time. No, it was 16 years. And and well, but I'm sorry. Prior to was prior to that, you had had you not had treatment or? Oh no no no. Okay, I, so I enough... didn't understand anything about alcoholism. Okay. I I just knew that I had a problem. Okay. I knew that it was it was destroying not only my life but my marriage and it it was it was affecting every part of my life, my work life, my. But no one really knew. But nobody knew. Nobody knew. So, and then are you saying after that time you spent with God and whatever he did with you then, that began the 16 years? Yes, yes, from that moment. I mean, I really, I really come in, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this, and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to become, so I'm going to become the man of God that I know God. Let, let me back up, okay? Yeah. I want to back up. I gave my life to Christ when I was just a kid, and I meant it. I knew what I was doing, but I was a kid, and I, and I gave my life to Christ. And throughout that process, like I say, life happens to you, and you begin to falter, and, and, and you begin to give in in this situation or that situation. But I still love God. You have to understand, this whole time that I was in high school, the whole time I was in college, I went to the Air Force after high school, and I was in the reserve, so mm-hmm. I was just, uh, I took two years um, after high school, and then after the two years in the Air Force and the reserves and all that, then I went to college. So you have to understand that this entire time through high sc- or through middle school, high school, um, Air Force, college, all that, every Sunday, I'm talking about even through the military, every Sunday I was in church because I loved my God. I wanted to be in his house. I wanted to be in his presence. I loved God with all of my heart. And and then, like I say, the sin comes in and then it, it begins to distract you and, and then the addictions come in and then it gets a hold of you, okay? But you have to understand this entire time. I'm talking about when, and it wasn't, it wasn't out of religious duty that I went to church. I went you to wanted- church because I wanted to be in church. I wanted to be around God's people. And also, when I was 14 at a church camp, when I was a kid, um, I really felt like God called me into the ministry. Now, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know any of that. I just know that, that I felt a calling on my life to be in ministry. And so, this sounds so dysfunctional when you think about, well, he's called into the ministry, he's going to church all the time, but then he has this problem with this addiction. Well, I get it. It sounds funny, but the fact of the matter was, the enemy was coming against me with everything that he had. And so that that was my weak spot. Okay, so I get. Wait, what go was ahead, your, I'm sorry. What do you mean? What was your what was your weak spot? You mean just the whole attraction with alcohol? Okay, I, just just okay. just that sinning side. That 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 That's dark side is talking you. to me. It's pulling on me. And yet, God, I I knew God had called me, and I knew I loved God, but I was still struggling there. You know, it was a struggle. It's not like I. I gave my heart to God, and then, and then all of a sudden, I went into the ministry and and everything. No, man, I, it was a struggle for me. And I, I I believe that you know how much people need to hear that. I mean, because there are so many people who think they need to be perfect to even walk in here. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. to say I've been called into the ministry, but I still struggle with this is just—it's being so honest and open and transparent and. People need to hear that. So, anyway, I just appreciate you sharing that part. I didn't know any of that. So you. Yeah, it was. It was. I always had that 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 side that was 
yeah, I love God, but but also it's it's that battle that everybody has. Everybody has it in one in one area or another. Everybody's got something. <laughs> yep. And so and so that was my battle. And so then when I was 27, like I say, I'm going back to that. I I um I really dedicated myself. I'm like, God, you can you can like I say, these are the words I said, God, is it true? That I can start all over again. Is it true? There's no such thing as too great a sin. And later on, I wrote a song about it. The rest of the, the rest of it goes. Let me give you the chorus. Mm-hmm. Is it true that I can start all over again? Is it true? There's no such thing as too great a sin. Is it true? You'll take my life and put back the broken pieces of my of my or put back the pieces of my broken heart. God, please tell me, is it true? And when I asked that question, it, looking in the mirror, um, he's like, Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to help you. So anyway, from that day forward, I was 27 at the time. For 16 years, I was sober. I was clear-minded. I was sober. I was tracking with God. God was blessing my life. We went into full-time ministry. God opened up doors in ministry. It's just crazy how God opened up the doors. And God blessed my socks off. Now, you have to understand, I was at a large church, and, and we did what we did there, and I was in worship, and I, I was smack in the middle of what I knew God had for me, okay? Living God's will. Living God's will. Doing. I was just tracking with the mm-hmm. Lord. He was blessing our socks off, literally. And uh, then we started a church in 2006, and God blessed our socks off there. We mm-hmm. started with a handful of people. In two and a half years, we were run over 1,000 people. We built a brand-new facility. God was blessing our socks off. Yep. A couple years before all of that, I had an accident on the, on the leg. It really jacked my back up. I was on a sea-do, and I did a stupid stunt, you know, always pushing the edge. Did a stupid stunt on a sea-do, jacked my back up bad. Ended up getting pain medicine for that. That's where the pain medicine Had you started. not? Had- uh, I'd never had pain medicine in my life before that. Never, not once. Not once. Um, well, I take it back. I might have when I was a kid and I had a hernia operation you, or something, but I had no recollection that. of that. Okay. So I, I began to take pain medicine for my back. I took the pain medicines, and I took them properly for a week or two. <laughs> and then I began to double, you know, double the dose just because it felt good and I liked the high. So anyway... Ran out of the pain meds, right? The doctor said, no, you're done with the pain meds. I was at my mother's house. This is when I was, uh, God was blessing us. We probably run over a thousand you people were still, in our church. You were in the new church. We were at, the yeah, when you up at the White House. Yeah. When we started, we were running over a thousand people. It was a Thanksgiving weekend. I went to my mom's place. My mom and dad, my father was a pastor. My mom and dad were, they were avid. Uh, when I say avid, they were They were people, there was never alcohol in our house, ever. Mm -hmm. But a a few years prior to that, my mom started making a rum cake. And she made it with real rum, Bacardi rum. And I was at her house. I didn't have any pain medicine. Now, I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you how this went down. Um, My back was jacked up. I didn't have any pain meds. I looked into her pantry. I'm just looking through her pantry, and I see that Bacardi rum. And I thought, if I just take a half a cup of that Bacardi rum, it's going to give me some rest tonight so that I can sleep. I took a half a cup of that Bacardi rum. I slept great. And I'm telling you, this is where you were saying how 
when you stop and then you start back up years later, you don't start where you left off. You start as if you would have been drinking for all of those 16 years because I'm telling you, Tammy, and this is a fact, I'm telling you, they used to tell me this in rehab, that when you stop, you don't start again where you left off. You start as if you'd never stopped. And I never believed that. But I'm telling you, that's as true as it can possibly be. Because when I opened that Bacardi rum that night, and I took that half a cup of Bacardi rum to go to sleep that night, I'm telling you, it was like a, a, a it was like, there, mm -hmm. it's on, baby. Mm -hmm. It's on. And I started, again, going to the liquor store to, to relieve the pain of my back. That was my original intention, and I promise you that was no, I why it. I did it. I believe it. But the fact of the matter was that alcohol grabbed back a hold of me, and I drank like I'd never stopped for 16 years. And I drank heavier and harder than I've ever drank in my life. And throughout that process, just in a matter of months, I got a DUI. Mm -hmm. Three months after I got that DUI, I got another DUI. One year to the day of when I got that first DUI, I got my third DUI. I could not stop. It was the worst, it was the worst time, the darkest time of my life. We lost everything. And this was uh, all new that. to your family. Right? Oh my because gosh. there was no because you said she didn't know at all. Then you had this 16 years. She didn't know anything until then? No, 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 no. When, when, I, when, I, when I originally, back when, when I was 27, mm -hmm. when I uh, had that conversation with God in the mirror, I came clean with her and I said, listen, okay. I've got a problem with alcohol. It, 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 it was crazy. It, she had no idea. So it shattered her because she came from a home where Nobody ever drank, nobody ever smoked, nobody ever did anything. You know, they're good, good church going people, you know, and all that. And so this, she's like, you're what? You, you, you what? You know, she was blown away that, that I had a problem with alcohol. That's how well I hit it. But I'm telling you, it's, uh, anyway. Uh, so she, she knew I had a problem. But even so, even though she, I told her that early on, um, there were times uh, after uh, when, I, when I opened that Bacardi rum back up and, and it started that cycle again. Um, I, I remember telling her, I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not in any way misusing this. I'm using this to, to help my back because I can't get any pain medication for my back. And I meant it initially, but then, like I say, it, it just went off to the races and then it, it went off the rails. We lost it all. You lost yeah, everything. We lost everything. I didn't lose my wife and kids, and I'm telling you, she she should have left me. She should have left me, but she didn't. She 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 did. She should have. How do you, you know, I think about when you talk about her growing up in a home where there was never any alcohol. For all the crazy stuff that we went through growing up and as a family, um, and I think my dad. <clears throat> my dad did drugs and drank and things, but he was on the road all the time, and we rarely, we just it. didn't really experience it. Yeah. You know, we experienced, I think, some of the anger and the fighting and all that stuff, but we didn't really know alcohol and drugs. And so my des deep desire to be perfect, you know, growing up, making sure everybody thought I was okay and perfect, was that I would never do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. So I never experimented with, with any of that, but I watched people in my family. So if I found out, which I did, Occasionally, that my kids 
um, tried smoking. Yeah. Or I got a phone call that my oldest, as a freshman in college, fell down the stairs because he was drunk. Mm-hmm. I lost my mind. Oh yeah. I completely flipped and lost my mind. And that would, and I promise you, <clears throat> that would be exactly like Connie. I mean, I'm just telling you, she came from the. If you did that, it's like what? I mean, the world just blew up, you know, because because that happened, you know. And um, so, no, I get what you're saying because she she as well. She wanted everybody to think that everything's good, everything. And you know what? Thank God that she grew up the way that she grew. Up. And and you know what? Here's the problem. I grew up in the family that never drank, never none of that. And yet, you know, yeah, for you some have reason, a different. You have a different composition. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, I I, I, I took that other, that other way, you know. So how, because I mean, everybody who's listening are not, they're not going to necessarily battle addictions or necessarily right, have right, people right. in their family who do, but it's it's like you said before, we all have that thing. Everybody's got something. That thing that we struggle with. Yeah. So, you know, I know that you do, you, you do AA and you go to meetings and, I mean, how, I know through the grace of God and prayer and, but your friends and your family and AA, you know, what are the things that got you through this at the deepest part? You know, how did you pull yourself back out? And, well, f- and from anything that people are going through when you're in that deep, tough time. Well, and here's the truth. Here's the truth, Tammy. No, I don't believe that anybody can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. I just don't. Mm. I just don't. I feel like it, were it not for the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I, I would be dead. And I really mean it. I'm not trying to preach. Oh, I'm, I'm just telling you, here's the, here's the truth, man. Um, until somebody comes to the end of themselves, and what that means is to be able to surrender to, man, I, I don't even want to use, because just say different programs use different uh, terminology. You know, some will say higher power. Some will say, you know, the powers that be. Whatever. I'm just going to tell you my experience. And I'm a pastor, so people are expecting this. But the fact of the matter is, everyone has a void. Every person has a void. You may try to cover it. You may try to hide it. You may try to deny it. You may try to. To, to, to medicate, every person is born with a desire to have a relationship with their creator. You can, you can try to deny it. You can try to prove God's wrong, that God doesn't exist, all that. But there is a void in every person's life. And until you fill that with the relationship with your creator, and that happens through Jesus Christ, until you fill that void, with that relationship, you will never, I, I mean, I know people that are atheists that are sober. I get it. I, I, so I'm not saying that somebody can't get sober without, without a relationship with God. I get it. What I'm saying is true fulfillment. You're talking at a deeper level than just... Oh, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about white knuckle sobriety. I'm not talking about just not drinking. I'm talking about fulfillment in life happens through that I would not I would not be sober were it not for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit it just wouldn't have happened I'm just telling you and 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 so people 
you know, have asked me, well, then why did you fall initially? Well, I'm just going to tell you why I fell initially. Why I was, why I was weak. First of all, because I'm human and I'm a man and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wretched, I'm pitiful, I'm poor, I'm blind, I'm naked, I'm all that because I'm human. And I'm, I'm needy and my need is my relationship with God. And it's not because I need a crutch. It's because that's how I was designed. I, I, I don't even know if I'm making sense no, right now. No, you're making perfect sense. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, what I, here's what I see in you every day. All these things coming through, the Holy Spirit working in you, and the fact that you've committed your life to Christ always, even through the tough times. And so, you, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the things that I see come out through you are um, your dedication to your family and your love of your family and, and staying in that support. But there's a big thing that you do all the time. You tell everybody you love them. And it feels sincere like you really do. And I feel like it's even the people that may not have supported you wholeheartedly during the tough time. Like how... Where does that come from? You just don't see. I know it comes from from a relationship with Jesus Christ, and but do you think about that every day, or does it just ooze out of you that you're going to love people? It's. Um, I, I it just. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm humbled that you didn't say that. I really mean that. Um, in Mark, in the book of Mark, Peter. Um, give me a second. I'm sorry. No, don't. You're. In the book of Mark. Well, let me back up. So Peter is Jesus' right-hand guy. And they were in the garden before Peter, or before Christ was denied by Judas. And, um, well, the night before that even, they're at the supper table. Let me, let, me, let me back up because i got to get my thoughts right here because you, you just rocked me. Oops, I'm sorry. I... No, Christ told Peter, let me, just, let me just put it in plain English. Christ told Peter, he's like, listen, I know you think you're all that in a bag of chips because you're my disciple, but before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. He told Peter that, and Peter's like, there's not a snowball's chance I'm going to deny you. I'll die for you if I have to die for you. So they're in the garden. Judas denies Jesus, and Peter goes up, and he actually cuts the ear off of the guard because he's trying to protect Christ. And, and, and Peter's like, Jesus is like, listen, you're going you're gonna to deny me. You think you're going to die mm-hmm. for me, but you're going to deny me, right? So what, in, what ends up happening is they take Christ away, right? And then Peter is watching from a distance, and Peter watches what they do to Christ, He's scared to death. He's out by the fire. He's watching from the outside of the gate. And they're by the fire. And this little girl comes up to him and says, Hey, aren't, aren't you one of his disciples? And, he, and he's so scared. Now, he'd walked with Christ for three and a half years. Watched all these miracles. Watched all. He parted. I mean, he, uh, he, he, he uh, made the water into wine. I can mention all the miracles that Christ did. Blind people see, deaf people hear, lame people walk, lepers are cleansed, 
I mean, he does all these miracles. Thousands of people uh, fed with two fish and five loaves. I mean, I go through countless miracles that Christ did. Peter saw all that, and then he's at the fire, and they said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he says, no. Then another person, aren't you one of his disciples? No. Third person, aren't you one of his disciples? And he curses and says, I don't even know the man, right? Now, okay, now check this out. This is so cool. So what's he do? Then he hears the crow, or he hears the cock crow, and, he, and he's like, holy cow. Jesus told me I was going to do that. So he goes out, and the Bible says that he went out and he whipped better, bitterly. Now, okay, let me, let me do a parallel here. I grew up in church, man. I saw God move and move and move. I saw people's lives changed. I saw people saved, delivered, healed. I saw all kind of good stuff when I was a kid growing up in church. My dad was a good pastor. There were moves of God in our church that were absolutely incredible, and I saw all that. Mm -hmm. And then, at that opportune time, I turned my back, just like Peter did, okay? So then they take, they take Christ and they crucify him. Terrible way to die, worst way to die. They crucify him, and then three days later, the ladies are at the tomb because they're going to check on the body or whatever they're going to do, put spices on it or whatever. And they go to the tomb, and the angel says to the ladies, he says, go tell my disciples. They, first he said, who are you looking for? And they're like, we're looking for Christ. I know you're looking for Christ, but he isn't here. He's risen. Now go tell my disciples. Now, now And then, then he says two words. These two words are, are the most beautiful words I believe in the Bible. Go tell my disciples including Peter, including Peter. And the reason that Jesus, or the angel, the reason the angel did that was because he knew what state of mind Peter was in. He knew that Peter was beating himself up because he'd failed Jesus. He knew that, that Peter probably wanted to kill himself. He knew Peter was just in a bad state of mind. And, and were it not for him saying those two words, man. But then they went and they told Peter. Uh, what, 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 what gets me to where I'm at, what gets me to love people, the Bible says that those who have been forgiven much love much. And you know what? I don't, I don't get up every morning and I don't say, okay, i got to try to love people. Man, yes. I realize that I'm nothing. I realize that I'm just human and I've made a lot of mistakes. But I can't help but believe God interceding on the right hand of the Father. He's saying, listen, man, go tell my disciples, including Dan. Go tell them. And that's what, so make, that's what makes me that's what makes me want to love people. That's what makes me want to love my God. I, I, the reason I love God so much is because he loves me so much. The reason I love people so much, you know, Jesus broke it down into two things, just two. All the law and all the prophets are based on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He broke it down to two things. If I, I had somebody talk to me on the phone the other day, and they were asking me about all these these 
things that Christians should or shouldn't do. And, and, and I said, you know what, man? Here's the truth. I'm not going to get tied up in all that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to love my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to try to love people like I've never loved people before. And you know what? Sometimes you got to love the unlovable. Sometimes you got to love the people that treat you like crap. Sometimes you got to love your enemies. Sometimes, sometimes it's beautiful when you get to love the people that love you. But hmm. you got you got. I believe that we have to reach out. We have to be different than the norm. Even, even, even just normal people will love and appreciate the people that love and appreciate them. But, but what about the ones that treat you wrong? What about the ones that treat you like dirt? You know. How, how, what a better way to show the love of Christ. What a better way to show Christ, period, to show who God is than to, than to put flesh on love and just say, man, I'm just like you. I love you. I don't know. I'm just, I'm rambling. No, and you do. And, and I've seen you do that before. You don't just, you don't just love the people who love you. It, it comes out. And, I mean, you're just changing so many people's lives. And I appreciate it so much. I do. Is there anything that you would want to say to anybody who's listening, who is struggling? And I mean, you've said a lot, but is there anything about I've, I've you? Ran, I feel like I've just totally, completely rambled. You have not. If you were rambling, then I would have, like, I, I, I just feel like I've been a part of just this amazing piece of you and God and what he's done with you. And I... I, I I had things to ask, but it just didn't matter. It just went where it was supposed to go. But if there if I there's I don't know that there's anything to say. I I just here's what I know, Tammy. Here's what I know. If 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 my story in my life, you know, you always hear people say, if it can just change one person, it's worth it. You know, you hear that all the time. <laughs> I used to make a joke about that as teachers. If you can oh, change yeah. one oh, life, yeah. I might. If, if I can only change one life, yeah, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm quitting, right? <laughs> I don't want to be a part of it. No, here's the deal, man. I believe, see, I believe God gives you a message. Here's, here, here's what's so beautiful about it. And technology is wonderful because you're going to reach probably, I don't know how many people you 20. reach with this. 20 people. <laughs> you're going to at least reach 20 people with this I'm going to reach tens of people. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. No, but... I just, man, here's the deal. I want to live my life. I read a book years ago called Halftime by Bob Buford. You ever heard of it? No. It's phenomenal. I'll put a link. It's phenomenal. It's, I don't even know if it's still in print. It's called Halftime. First part of your life, you live for success. Mm. But there comes a point in your life. Hopefully, it'll be early on in your life. But most people, it's probably in mid-age, mid sometimes later than that. But... But what happens is you move in your life. There's a, there's, a, there's a time in your life where you want to move from success to significance. I want my life, Tammy, and I know you do, I want my life to be significant. You know, it used to be about success in people's eyes. It used to be about numbers. It used to be about toys. It used to be whatever. Yeah. I, I want my life to be significant. And here's the thing. I don't want my life just to be significant in the world's eyes. I want my life to be significant in God's eyes. I want God to look down at me and go, wow, look what, look what he's done with what I've given him. Because I haven't been given the, 
I haven't been given the greatest card of, or I haven't been dealt the greatest hand, just like a lot of people haven't. You haven't been dealt the greatest card of hands. And yet, look what you're doing with the cards you've been dealt. And I'm telling you, it's just incredible. When I heard your story, when, you, when I hear you speak, it's just like, holy crap, man, look what she's doing. Mm. It's just, I, I, I don't know, I want to be, be significant. And, and here's, here's how I know I'm going to be significant. Here's, how, here's the test of it. When I hear, and I know this sounds like preacher talk, but this is a truth, man. Well, a couple things, really. I'm going to add two things to it. When I hear my Savior say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's it, man. I won the game. And, and you know what? It might not be thousands and thousands of people following or big, big success in the world's eyes, but if I can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful with whatever I gave you. But then the second thing, I want my kids to say, Dad, I love you more than anything. I want my wife to be able to say, Dan, I love you and I trust you. When I hear those words, man, I'm submit. That's significant to me. When I when I when I can speak into somebody's life and just give them some kind of hope, when they're hopeless, help when they're helpless. You know the whole the whole motivational thing that you hear all the time. But but I, I really mean that. I want to live my life selfless. Well, and and your story is God bringing you through it. And I mean, you you've heard me talk about my mom, but there's one thing I've never shared about her that I'm going to start sharing. And there was a reason that I haven't. Um, but anyway, but it's, it's my sister and I talked about it yesterday and my mom, my mom had an abortion. She felt forced into an abortion at one point in her life. And she grew up strict Catholic, very rules, 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 rules. And she never, she never healed from it. She never worked through it with God. And, but I never really, I, re, I never was mature enough growing up to understand how that affected her. And I think that's one of those deep things. But after everything, just like with your story, if you, if you don't share that and how God has brought you through it, then it's nothing. I mean, it's not, it does nobody any good. I so, wonder, as you were saying that, I wonder, I wonder how that affected so many different areas of her life because of because of the shame or the or the guilt or, or whatever that she had she felt like she had to hide all of her life all of that i wonder i wonder how freeing that would have been to her to be able to you see what i'm saying yeah. i mean how beautiful it is when people can say you know what i'm not all that you know how freeing it is to me i'm a pastor okay I get up in front of people. Most pastors can never do this because because they feel like they can't. Do you know how freeing it is to me, Tammy? And I really mean this when I say this. And I know you understand this because you're you're in front of people all the time, and I see that you do it as well. But do you know how freeing it is when I can say, I don't have it all together. Yes. I'm just I'm just a normal guy, tracking with the Lord. You're just a normal lady tracking with the Lord. Doing what you feel like God's telling me, but I don't, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. And you know how freeing that is to be able to admit that and then and then not have to live up to everybody's expectations of who I'm supposed to be? And you know what else I know when you say that, how you live it out? You may not remember this, but after you came back, after you came back, I guess it would have been at Northridge. You came back, right? For well, no, 
I did. <laughs> so where did I? Then where did this happen? I was supposed to come on you that weekend. That's when I got my second DUI. Okay, well then I don't know where it was. What what happened? Okay, what so what about? happened? I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you not in my head? Do you, <laughs> no, do you I can't. not hear the story? Get it. I'm sorry. So we're in a church. We're in a sanctuary somewhere, and you trip, and I say to you, "Oh, you've been drinking." Yeah. And you laughed, and I laughed, and do you remember that at all? Because I, I called here. you. Was it here? I think it was. No, it couldn't have been here because it was. But I lost my mind after we left that day. I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. What is wrong with me? Because I never say the right thing. And I always, <laughs> and I always, I asked, told a woman once that I loved her accent. Where was she from? And she said it was a speech impediment. So, like, I'll be saying the wrong thing. And I called you because Tim is like, he's not going to care. No. And I'm like, yeah, but. What? Oh my gosh! And I think I called you, and you were like, "What are you talking about?" And that's that. You're just you're not offended mm-hmm. by it. It's part of who you are. It's, it's my part DNA of your path. now. I it's, hate to say it. It's part of me. You yeah, know? but it's it's what you're using to help the world. And I, for one, just love you and appreciate everything you do. You have no idea how much I appreciate you. And that, my friend, is our time for today. I pray that you learned something about challenges addiction, the love of God, and second chances, and the importance of people. Please pass this show link along to a friend or two. I'm certain there are others who need to hear it. And subscribe, download, review wherever you are listening. And please head over to TammyWest.com to get information if you would like for me to speak at your next event. And also, you will find any of the promised links and information to find out more about Pastor Dan. Um, I would love for you to follow me on Facebook, my primary social media home at facebook.com slash Tammy West Seminars. Um, Still suspending the monthly giveaway, still working on getting that new product, but please do leave comments, especially this is something that can really help people as they see how you are processing. Maybe it's not addiction. Maybe it's it's something different, but we all have uh, things in our lives. We need second chances. We need God's love. We need people's love, and we need to reciprocate that love as well. Thank you so much for listening and growing our special community. And finally, remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope that you will renew your thoughts daily, adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and to others, and make positive mental and emotional choices every single day of your wonderful life. And until we're together again, consider yourself hugged.